Listen, if you if you want evidence proof how close this game is going to be, you go and look at the spread. I mean, Vegas has this as a 2.5 favorite game for Florida State. A number four ranked team going against an unranked team, and they're favored by two and a half points. I mean, this game, this game's going to be close. With Mark Davis, Chris Gemeinhart, Luke Rule, and Nick the Doc Skirkowitz. Welcome to All About the Balls Podcast. I'm Mark Davis in the Sack House, joined with two-thirds of my co-hosts, Chris Gemeinhart and Luke Rule. No Nick the Doc Skirkowitz. I think he's a little shy, a little nervous that, you know, he believes that Northern Dame's going to win. He believes Clemson's going to win over Florida State, but the show must go on. Chris, how are you feeling heading into week four of college? Big game for the LSU Tigers, huh? Yeah, I'm fucking excited. I mean, uh, I'm tired, long week, a lot of classes, you know, with the Army. So uh, excited to just chill at home and watch some football. Like you said, big game. It's all for the boot, so we'll see. I think we're going to yeah, steamroll Arkansas. but Playing yeah. Arkansas. Good luck this week, Chris. Arkansas. And Luke, you know, you guys, UCF, they start their first official Big 12 action here playing Kansas State, not ranked anymore after they suffered their loss. How are you feeling heading to week four? Yeah, feeling good. Uh, should be Both teams look like they're pretty banged up at this point, so uh, should be pretty fair. Uh, both, like, Kansas State might be down their starting quarterback. UCS already down their starting quarterback, so fair, fair, fair. But, uh, you know, Big 12 champions for last year, so, I mean, this is a good test for us opening up our Big 12 play. Yeah, Big 12 champions that did not make the playoffs. That's fucking awesome to see. But, yeah, Texas starts Big 12 play, too. We were at Baylor this week. Uh, late tough night game. game. I mean, it's I hate playing. You know, college games at night is always it's just tough. It doesn't matter the stadium. And Baylor sold out their stadium. Yeah, well, we know why they sold out their stadium. There's the opponent that's traveling. They want to see they they want to see them beat them, not – I mean, they yeah, they're their fans. but They don't sell alcohol in their stadium, so it's not going to be too rowdy. I mean, I get, I get that, I get that it's traveling, but I mean, when it's an hour drive down the road, hey, that's a far is it really, travel. That's a far is it travel. is it really a fucking road game for y'all? Come on now. Th- that and there might be a lot. I mean, obviously, there's gonna be a lot more Baylor fans, but if they let actual like fans of both teams fill up their how many seats they want, Texas probably or Austin will probably travel better than than Baylor will. So, but yeah, and then shout out to Doc. You know, Florida State's Clemson. We're definitely gonna break that down in, in a little bit, but boys. We were a little juiced up before the show started. We're going to carry it in here, boys. Travis Hunter, the all-around utility player, wide receiver, and cornerback for the Colorado Buffaloes. He's out at least three weeks with a lacerated liver. Um, Questionable call, obviously. I don't know if they called the flag on the hit when it happened, but I, I think it was a dirty hit. I mean, by definition, yes, Chris is right. He was telling us it's not targeting by the definition, by, by the rule book. But to me, at least... The intent was there. He he meant to hit him. He did not care about that foot. He did not care about getting the football, which he probably could have made an interception. Would have got called back anyways because of pass interference on the play. But he didn't care at all. He you can see him. He went around his corner. He lowered his shoulder. He launched up, feet playing on the ground, no crown the helmet, but hit him right directly in the chest. I think it's a dirty look, dirty hit. Should at least got kicked out of the game. I get it, maybe not suspension, but he should have been kicked out because of the intent of trying to actually injure this guy. No, I mean, I, I understand the intent. I understand he was 
I mean, they were they were in their feelings. Colorado. I mean that that game was the tension was in the air, especially with Colorado. Both teams just coming out playing amazing. I mean, like you broke it down, Mark. Like the by definition, it was not a targeting call. the The hit was very dirty. I I'm not saying that it was not a very dirty hit, but you can't get ejected out of a game because of a late hit call. And maybe this is a hit that college football should go back to and look into like maybe trying to get a rule into where they could eject after like a hit that's clearly going to hurt him. But I mean, the refs, the refs can't eject him off a late hit call. And I'm glad they didn't because you can't, you can't change the rules during the game. You can't eject him off a penalty. That's not ejectable. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you had Luke. No, you haven't talked to you. Yeah, no, I mean, so yeah, I, I agree. I, I think he should have been ejected for that hit because I I think the they need to rework the uh, the definition of targeting because that that clearly to me in my eyes would be targeting the just based off his intent on that play. His intent was to hit Travis Hunter as hard as he could. He was not trying to play the ball at all. The ball is on the ground at least a second before he hit Travis Hunter, and he went around the cornerback to launch himself at him. So to me, my opinion, that'd be clearly targeting. I know it's not the by definition in the book targeting rule, but I think college football really needs to look at that and like change the the rule of targeting to eject players for unnecessary hits like that. Yeah, I get late hits happen, but that was a negligence. Like he purposely did that. And I'm all for safety blowing up a receiver. Like, I mean, we've seen Ed Reed do it. We saw Sean Taylor when he was alive do it. I'm okay with it if it's a bang-bang, like it's a perfect time ball where the ball's just getting there on the fingertips and then he blows them up. If that was the case, man, I'm all for it because that's that's good football. That's what I want to see. But I don't want to see it. I don't, I don't care if it's Colorado. I know that they're the darling, they're the, they're the little like media darlings right now. And I'm not like saying I'm a Colorado fan. I think they're going to lose this week. We're going to break it down a little bit. But I, I don't want to see guys – I don't care if it's the Saints, for example. Like we're rivals, Chris, for the NFL – I don't want to see my players come in there and literally take out Michael Thomas or Chris Olave because we're cheap or we're, you know, we're con or not con ours, but like, you know, dirty players essentially. So that's the thing. And like Luke said, he went out of his way. He literally was slowing down still as he made the hit and he still launched his shoulder. I get it. Feet was planted, but he avoided his player and he went after Hunter and I get it. There was bad blood coming into the game because their coach decided to run his mouth, which then fired up Colorado then fired up Colorado state again. So I get it in state rivalry but that's a poor excuse if anyone wants to use it for Colorado state. I just, I think it's a bad look. And like Luke says, they need to revisit this rule. That, that's going to be the case. Yeah. yeah. It, it also sucks seeing like Travis Hunter go down for a few weeks too. He, he's in like the Heisman, like Heisman, potential Heisman candidate playing both ways. Like no player has been doing that. Like in recent years, played both ways the way he has, and he's playing well on both sides of the ball. So it kind of sucks to see him miss a few weeks, especially against like these, uh, these top, top teams in the Pac-12 that they're about Colorado's about to start playing. So it would have been great to see him against some of these like uh, more talented teams, see see how well he actually plays. But now we're going to miss that. So kind of sucks for him. Sucks he's probably going to lose out his Heisman contending, like his chance of winning a Heisman just because he's missed three to four games possibly. And missing Oregon and USC back-to-back. I'm not. Yeah. Well, we're going to get into this about the whole game and the ex- potential excuses, but – it is it is bad to say, you know, like or bad to see, you know, probably your number one or number two player. You can say him or Shador. Just depends on what, what you're feeling. But 
one of your top two players go down, especially right before conference play starts. It's just not good for college football, and it's not good for Colorado. Yeah, he, he was fun to watch play too. So very he had the, the playing like Dion out there playing both ways. You just yeah. gotta start start playing some baseball so you can play <laughs> two sport athlete. But look, I mean, at at the end of the day, I'm sure Colorado is happy that the man didn't get suspended or get ejected because he fucking whiffed a open field tackle to let that receiver go into the end zone to tie the game up anyways. So, I mean, yeah, hindsight, I guess it's better, but I mean, and and I thought Shador was going to come. I mean, Shador did come at him. I thought it was going to be, I mean, and no one on Colorado state defended him. So, I mean, they were, they were telling him to get away. Like they knew he was in the wrong, but obviously it's your teammate. So, you know, you're not going to sit there and just yell at him, but they're trying to pull him I mean, L on his jersey, fucking leader. I mean, clearly, clearly, Colorado State's coach went in telling his players, "Hey, you're you're gonna have to insert dominance and hit these boys hard because, like, all game you could see, like, those weren't little tackles. They were they were out there for blood." Yeah, it was definitely a, a fist fight there, and, and you know, great game too, double overtime. I thought Colorado State maybe should have gone for two points in that first overtime. I mean, you have nothing to lose, honestly. Go for the win now so you don't have to sit there and go do- to double overtime with Colorado. I mean, it's just like it's like the LSU-Alabama game last year with Brian Kelly talking about it. Like, you're going into that game as underdogs anyways. You're going in that game expecting to lose. So, I mean, statistically there, like, if you have a shot to win the game right there and then, go for it. Yeah, I, I mean, you're not going you're not going blow for blow with Colorado. Yeah, yeah we, in double, we're, triple we're overtime. Not for two, but also... Interesting call by Dion taking the ball first in overtime. Just wanted to like assert himself, like, hey, he's going to go out there and fucking score and put the pressure on Colorado State instead of letting him, Colorado State try to put the pressure on them. Yeah, interesting call by Dion too. But most times when you get the when the coin toss, you you defer in uh, college overtime. So yeah, I mean, to take the ball. Me, I personally would feel like I would rather go second, you know, because then you know, hey, do I need yeah. a touchdown or do I need a field goal? No, I mean, I feel like for Colorado, they would – I understand, like, what y'all are saying. and I, I agree for most teams, but for Colorado where their defense isn't as strong, I feel like them setting the, the tone right away and putting the pressure on Colorado State to score and maybe make that decision if they should go for two or not if they do score, it is the right but call just because that, the defense was- is shaky. But that was directly after a 98-yard drive into one conversion. Then they went the ball right back. I mean, so, like, they had like 10 maybe, minutes off. Maybe they wanted to like take on the defense while they were tired already or something. But Well, they also had 10 minutes. Really, like, it was like they didn't just go right into I, I, like. I, the, just, I just thought it was an interesting call by Dion to take the ball. But, boys, um, let's move on from this because we are going to talk Colorado in a little bit with Oregon. But – Chris, Chris brought it up, and I, I forgot all about it. You know, he we were texting you know, before, today about what, we, what should we talk about exactly. We had some t- top ten teams. We had four of them struggle. Alabama's not ten no more, but we saw Alabama struggle against USF. Uh, we were ho- we were all rooting for you know the Bulls there. I know Luke's rivals with them, and he was probably rooting for them. Florida State yeah, allowed a comeback not anymore. Yeah, not anymore. We don't uh, play but, each other anymore. Florida State struggled against Boston College towards the end. Texas struggled with. Wyoming in the first three quarters before they went on that, th- you know, three touchdown score uh, in the fourth quarter. And then Georgia had to make a little second half comeback against South Carolina boys. So is it, is it, you know, anyone's year, honestly, just for the NCAA in general, like four of the top 10 teams struggled. 
And I mean, even even Michigan struggled a little bit. I mean, they only led fourteen six going into halftime. So I mean, all literally all top four teams struggled. I mean, the teams did come out at the end and win, but it it was a rough week for the top the top four teams. Yeah, it kind of just shows that everybody's beatable this year. I think like there's no like one dominant team that's fucking steamrolling everybody. So I think, yeah, I think and like, it's anybody's game this year. Like anybody can win the fucking conference championship and, and the fucking national championship. This year would be such a good fucking year to have the 12 team playoff because literally every team looks beatable. Every team looks like they could compete for the national championship. Like having that 12 team playoff this year would be a hell of a playoff. Oh, yeah, it would be. I think this is a perfect year for it, especially with the Pac-12 being so dominant where they can get, like, three or four teams in there as well. Yeah. And, it's the t- and right now it's perfect time because there's only six conferences. Next year we're losing one probably, so – or probably the Power Fives. So, so you're going to lose one of the Power Fives, make the Power Four, and then two, you know, like maybe like an AAC and a Mountain West team out there. It's the highest remaining. But, yeah, I, I think anyone's beatable. Uh, I thought Florida State had it in the, the bag, honestly. I was a little nervous as a Texas fan. You know, we our offense just – I, I kept saying all night, they looked hungover. They looked drunk still from the Alabama win. The defense looked That's decent. That's what happens. Yeah, the offense just seemed flat-footed. It wasn't like Wyoming was playing great. I give I, – I have a, a coworker of mine. He's, he went to Wyoming, and I told him, I was like, you know, you guys played your heart out. If you had a, if you had a better offense, you probably would have beaten us because our offense just looked like shit. Quinn Ewers couldn't hit open throws. It looked like the Rice game all over. Maybe, maybe we played out our competition – Maybe that's just what it's been so far these three games. We we play sluggish against bad teams. We play good against like big name teams. So, but that's not what you want to do. You want to play. You want to play better than your competition every single week. But yeah, Georgia. God, they we they were down. They were down. I mean, Rattler Rattler looked great. I mean, he he looked great. He was driving the ball down. He was running. He was extending plays. And Georgia's defense just really didn't have an answer for it until after halftime. And the quarterback over at Georgia just looked – he didn't look great. They, they, well, ju- they just didn't look like the dominant team that we know Georgia to be these past two years. That was Beck's, Beck's first true test too, especially SEC play. So, you know, maybe he had to get his feet wet a little bit there before he starts – because they don't have a hard schedule. I, I still think Georgia's set up for success this year. For yeah, they had, a nice, they had a nice game this week against, what, UAB? So, solid, solid – Solid game this week, so no take it easy week before they start start playing some uh mildly tougher opponents. Florida yeah, I mean, like we blew, Florida yeah, like Tennessee, we said, now they got Charlotte. So I mean, yeah, yeah. so Yeah, like we said with Georgia, I mean they're not gonna get the real test until very late in the season with I mean we, now we don't even know of Tennessee with how Tennessee fucking looked against Florida. So Florida's actually got Florida's got what? that. I was, we're going to break this down later, but Florida's got the number one defense in the SEC based on total yards. They're allowing under 300 yards a game, which last year they were a shit show on defense. So maybe maybe Florida is back. Maybe they had that little tough loss against Utah. I'm yeah, not saying they're back to winning it, but. That's what, with Florida playing two top 25 teams already this year, too. Yeah. So. Both on, or no, one, one was in the swamp. They played Tennessee at the swamp, but I mean, they haven't lost to Tennessee. In Gainesville since 2003, I think is what I saw. So it's been a, it's been a good minute since they've lost to Tennessee the U- at home. Was the Utah game at a neutral site? U- no, it was in Utah. Or was it at? 
It was at Utah. Yeah, it was a it was a one one because they were at the swamp last year, and that's when AR made that ridiculous like throw or whatever, and then or run or whatever he had. So, I mean, but, hey, yeah. baby, baby, Etn looked looked great against going against Tennessee. The defense looked good too, man. That's what I'm yeah, saying. They, the defense. Florida's had a good run good. game. They just can't throw. They've the ball. always they've always had good run game though. They can always gash you on the ground. Yeah, and. Yeah, so it's interesting to see, boys, when we start getting closer and, you know, closer than the season, especially with conference play, anyone's game now. But, boys, we finally have a week that we can preview with fucking, like, glowing, like, reviews, like, or previews, essentially, because in the past few weeks, we've had some questions. We've had some decent games we could preview, like Texas, Alabama. You know, we had um, Colorado TCU, obviously, the first week, but finally have a I think it's the game of the year I, I get it it's not five versus eight like LSU and Florida State it's six versus number nine Ohio State traveling to South Bend to face the Northern name fighting Irish and Doc I'm telling you I think he was scared Chris he knew he was going to be wrong when we talk about this game you know you have Heisman potential winner Sam Hartman leading the boys against Kyle McCord and Ohio State yeah this is this is this is playoff contention game right here I mean, this game is what we're going to be looking at towards the end of the season to say, hey, does this team deserve to be in the top four? I mean, Notre Dame is looking looking good. Ohio, they've, they've had some smuggy games these past couple of weeks. They did look like their high-power offense going um, against, what was it, Western Kentucky? They did like 60 – we lost it for a second, Chris. Yeah, so, yeah, we're, we're expecting Ohio State to come in here now. This is their first test of the year, right? So the Irish, you know, I get it. They haven't had a true test. They did play NC State, Luke. And, but this is South Bend. And Ohio State is favored by three points, too. So I'm a little shocked on that because Northern Ames played great defense and they played amazing offense. So we're going to see I mean, in South Bend. College game day is going to be there. It's going to be a ruckus crowd at night. I mean, what are you expecting out there between these two teams? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm expecting a pretty pretty good game. It's probably going to be the game of the week, I think. That, I mean, that's why they're going. College game day is going there, too. Two top ten teams fucking duking it out. So, I I think Notre Dame is actually going to have the edge. They're at home, home crowd. I, Ohio State just haven't, like, performed to, like, what you expect Ohio, Ohio State to perform to. And I think Notre Dame's kind of playing a little better than I thought they would. Usually, I don't think Notre Dame's that good. They just kind of get ranked high because they're Notre Dame. But I think they, I think they've earned that number nine slot so far, and I think they, they take a W here in a close one. And Chris's boy, Sam Hartman's got thirteen touchdowns, no interceptions, over a thousand yards. You know, he's looking pretty good. Chris Hart, he's he's got those hand signals on the sideline too. I've seen him when he's on when he's when he's doing the the signal calling. He's got yeah, some interesting ones on the side. Chris, if, if Hartman does do good this game, does this put him maybe ahead of Michael Penix or Caleb Williams um, in the Heisman race? And, or Shador Sanders, too. I mean, I I think I'm not too high on Sanders right now just due to the fact that they haven't played too much of a good defense. I mean, we'll see how he does when they start um, Pac-12 play going against Oregon and all those teams. But, I mean, Hartman, definitely, definitely if he has a great game going against the Ohio State, defense then it it probably puts a good edge out there for him Heisman wise I mean these teams are these teams are pretty much evenly matched the only the only edge I'm getting Notre Dame is Hartman 
I mean, quarterback play, Notre Dame leads. And I'm going to give the edge to the team that has a better quarterback. Yeah, and I'm interested to see what Kyle McCord does in this hostile environment. It's going to be loud. It's going to be ruckus, like I said. I mean, you saw what happened the first game of the year when the defense on the other team was playing good. We saw Indiana like kind of limit Marvin Harrison. And I know Marvin Harrison had a good two games following. We expect that because of the competition. But Kyle McCord has to set the tone early with Marvin Harrison. Maybe get the run game going, too. They're leading rusher for Ohio State. Only has 191 yards in three games. So that's not excellent numbers for, you know, especially Ohio State running backs, which they normally ball out in college. So um, I don't know, man. They, I'm excited for it. I think it's cupcake teams, too. Yeah, against cup two cup. Well, I would say Indiana. I mean, Indiana is a cupcake for the Big Ten, but they're still Power Five. But um, I, I finally think that the Irish are going to show up against a big team. I, I think they they pull this out. It might even be a little rainy too. It looks like just based on the weather today, which is Wednesday night. But if it's raining all that, I think that favors the Irish too because they have a pretty good run game. Their leading rusher is five hundred twenty one yards and five TDs so in in three games as well. So. I think it's a big game for the Irish here. I, I don't think they're going to blow them out, but I think it's going to be a pretty good game. I think they might sweat a little bit, but I think the Irish win not comfortably, but decently. Yeah, I mean, like you said, Mark, hostile environment. Can Notre Dame avoid the red wave? I mean, they're they're making it the their what their green out game. They're trying to avoid Ohio fans taking over that stadium, and that's going to be a big key factor. Is can the Irish make that stadium green and avoid the red wave? Oh, I think they have no problem doing it, to be honest. I, I think it's you're going to see it. It's uh, going to be loud. They, I mean, look look at the other couple years ago with Georgia. Georgia took that fucking stadium over when they played. The same thing happened. So, and Ohio yeah. State fans travel well. They, so, they do. I I agree that that, that they travel well, but. I think it being a night game here and the expectations are so high this year, I, I think they're going to do good. I, and I think they know how state's kind of not back against the wall, but you know, they're I don't think anyone's impressed, impressed with Ohio state at the moment. So I think the Irish fans are going to be there. They're probably gonna be pissed drunk too. Like I said, the college game day is there. So they'll be drinking all day long, all morning long, all day, all night. So as long as the fans are there, uh, I think common is gonna have a little hard time uh, throughout this game. Yeah, but, I mean, this is McCord's first test, so we'll see. I mean, this is a Notre Dame has a very good defense, so we'll see. We'll see how McCord does against it, how the wide receivers play, how the running back plays. I think it's going to be a really good game. No, I, I agree. It's going to be a very excellent game. And Luke, another great game. And this is supposed to be Doc's talking point here. You have the fourth ranked Seminoles heading out to Clemson. It's a noon game, but. You know, big rivalry. Clemson has amazing defense. They're still up the top of the, the nation um, in defense. The offense actually, based on yards per game, is doing better than Florida State. Klubinek's fought, kind of found his way since the Duke game. Can Clemson reel off this upset, or does Florida State keep keep rolling? Yeah, I mean, this, this is going to be a, a sneaky game for uh, – I don't think it's really that sneaky because I think Clemson's still a decent team. I, I don't think there's – I don't think they've counted themselves out on the season already just because of the loss to Duke in week one. But, I mean, I, overall, I think Florida State's the better team here offensively and defensively. Yeah, their numbers may not be as good. But I think they do kind of like the Texas thing and play to, like, the level of their opponent too. 
So like you saw the first week against LSU, they were fucking they're balling out, and they play against Boston College, and their level of play goes down quite a bit. So they're I think they just like playing close games. So I mean, the only the only thing for them is it's gonna be in in Death Valley in uh, Clemson. So Not see for second. No, no. So I did this earlier today. I went on my Google Google Maps or Apple Maps or whatever one, and I typed in Death Valley Stadium, and it took me to Clemson. <laughs> it it took you to Clemson because that's how close you are. You're closer no, to I, Clemson. No, I, I think I'm pretty close to both. I think I'm closer to. Uh, I think you're. I, mean, I think you're. I think you're pretty I mean, closer to South. Yeah, South Carolina's. I don't know how far Louisiana and Tennessee is, but uh, I mean, you're also the farther part of Tennessee too, right? You're not. Yeah, yeah. I'm. I'm fucking basically in Missouri over here. I mean, I, I think that well, you mentioned Boston College. So Luke, while you're looking that up, is that. Boston College typically has played Florida State pretty tough. So, I mean, I get it. And it was also kind of – the weather wasn't the greatest neither in the beginning of the game. But I, I think – oh, here you get He's got it right here. What, which, no, it, it took me somewhere else. It took me in Clarksville oh. this time. Shit. Oh, so, okay. <laughs> not <laughs> not good. Ignore that. Cut that one out, Mark. <laughs> no, but um, – Ferretta Stadium, Clarksville? So. No, <laughs> I, I think – I think that – it, it did take me to Clemson first time. But we didn't watch it. I thought it was going to be a good, good little segment for me, but no. We were watching. We were talking about Colin. We were talking about Colin McCord in a test, right, against Notre Dame. I think this is a a game. uh, I mean, I know he played them last year, but this is a test Uh, of Jordan Travis against the Clemson Tigers defense too. I mean, can Jordan Travis live up to that? You know, that hype that he had coming into the season against this amazing defense. You know, Clemson and Dabo that they're they're looking for blood. You know, they had that bad. Week one loss, they already got a conference loss. If they lose this game, you might as well kiss their season goodbye too. So Dabo and the boys are playing to keep their season alive. Potentially still can get a playoff potential berth if they win out and win in you know, convincing fashion. So I, it's a big test for Jordan Travis on the road in Clemson. Listen, if you if you want evidence proof how close this game is going to be, you go and look at the spread. I mean, Vegas has this as a 2.5 favorite game for Florida State. A number four ranked team going against an unranked team and they're favored by two and a half points. I mean, this game, this game's going to be close. And I mean, Florida State struggled last week. I don't know. I know um, Jordan Travis got a little injured towards the end of the game with Boston College. I know he came back out and still finished the game, but how bad is that injury? I haven't heard much from it. So, I mean, that's definitely something to keep in mind. And I think Clemson, I mean, Dabo, I think he rallied the troops. I mean, they had an upset loss against Duke week one, which is a huge loss. And I think Dabo is the guy that you want behind your players to rally behind. And I think he's going to rally behind them and upset this team. So after a quick uh, Google search about the real Death Valley, uh, just a little history lesson from uh, 1944 is when Clemson uh, coined the term Death Valley. LSU didn't start until 1959, so Clemson is indeed the real Death Valley. So LSU's copycats. Sorry, Chris. Clemson has been it's relevant just, since Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence. That was that was the yeah. two good, two good strings. They, they did it first. I mean, uh, they did it first. They're the real but, Death Valley. That's what it says. So Google no, told me. 
Chris and also in Luke that if Clemson does win this game, I get it. They're not ranked. They might jump up pretty, not like saying obviously top 10 like that, but they might get into like the top, you know, maybe 18 or 19, get back, get that, you know, foothold back in the door a little bit, keep their name so relevant and people keep an eye on them. So if they win this game, I say look out for Clemson down, down the road because Dabo, you can tell he was embarrassed after the Duke game. You, you, you can see it. You can hear it in his voice, see it in his eyes. He was not happy. He was, he said, you know, it's football. It happens. So they can only do what they can do now and just win out, essentially. Yeah. I mean, the big thing, uh, the big thing with Clemson right now with the rankings, if they do win this game, is there's a lot of ranked games this week, especially in the low 10s and the low 20s. Six that, games, Chris. That yeah. Are teams playing each other. I mean, and they're in the low 20s and low low 10s. So, I mean, Clemson, I could easily see popping in into the um, high 20, not high, like opposite low 20s, I guess you would say, or the high 10s, however you want to say it, if you want to what's, understand what I'm saying. What's funny, though, too, is three of those six are Pac-12 conference play games. So the Pac-12s, we said, they're rolling. There's a couple teams that, like, you know, USC that's not playing anyone and, and the Huskies that are ranked but they have, I think I think they have eight schools in the top 25. Yeah, I I have Clemson coming out hungry as fuck. I mean, this is this is a division game. And you know, I said it the other week is division games are different. Rank is out of the question. It doesn't matter what your record is. These two teams play each other every year, so they know each other. I have Clemson coming out hungry and winning this game. I, I feel if it was a 3.30 or, you know, a 7.30 game, I can get behind you. I, and I'm not saying they're going to lose. I, I'm not. I I do think – I mean, I am going to say they're going to lose. I have Florida State squeaking one out, but I wouldn't be surprised what I'm saying if Clemson comes in here and they roll through the Seminoles and put them on their asses, essentially. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not saying Clemson's going to roll them, but I'm I do think Clemson's – Yeah, I'm going to take Chris Logic on this one. Uh, better quarterback wins the game, so – Florida State. Yeah, but Florida State's defense is not anywhere near the level of Clemson's defense. Uh, I think their defense, their defense no. looks pretty good, but I think they're, they played down to their opponent. I mean, well, they're they're allowing they're allowing 268 passing yards right now, compared to Clemson 148. So I yeah, mean, but look the defense at is definitely because because Clemson's rushing yards, rushing yards per game is phenomenal right now for Clemson too. Well, 98 and 123. So I mean, Florida State's yeah. allowing what 20 more yards a game. But what I'm saying is Will Shipley in the rushing offense is averaging a lot for Clemson in general. They're they're averaging about 30 more yards, 216 to 189. So we'll say 190 to 115, 35. It's, that defense. it's still that defense. I, I, Florida State's defense has looked suspect still. I get it. They made plays in the second half of LSU, but. Yeah. Duke, Charleston, Charleston, what, south? Uh, yeah, but, FAU, but, Duke, so. but Duke's offense didn't carry them that game against Clemson. It was the defense. I mean, the defense put them it was, in a shorter. Yeah, it was it was the defense, and it was also Clemson shooting themselves in the foot, turning the ball over at the one yard line several yeah. what twice, twice that yeah, game. A lot, a lot yeah. of big runbacks okay. too. Wait. Yeah. So FSU has played more challenging teams than Clemson has at this point too. Yeah, Boston College is a lot better than. Fucking at the teams that Clemson has played, but we've always known. Miss, not, I mean, they're not well, great, but then they played yeah. LSU. 
But Clemson's defense has always been top notch. It's not like I mean, it doesn't matter who they're playing. It's always been top notch. It's never been the question. It's always their offense is the question. Uh, well, since Trevor Lawrence has been gone, but their defense never missed a beat when Trevor, you know, went to the NFL. So that's the issue: is can Jordan Travis, you know, can contain this defense? Can he go through the defense essentially? Because it's going to be bad. I mean, it's going to be a hard hitting game. Clemson's going to come out. They're going to come for blood. Hopefully, they don't get any late hits, or I guess those players are ejected. No, they're not ejected, but not by the rules. As long as it's not, you know, out of the helmet or launching with their feet. But well, let's let's go right to the game. Colorado number number nineteen. Colorado traveling number ten. Oregon. Eugene, a three thirty. Well, actually, be a twelve thirty local time for them, but three thirty Eastern. It's going to be crazy out there in Eugene. I don't know if Shador Sanders and them ever ever saw that when they were at Jackson State. The crowd they're about to witness out here in Oregon. I think Luke. Oregon's going to come in here with this – this is already the problem, is the excuses. Even with uh, Travis Hunter, I think Oregon scores points. He just locks, oh, yeah. down, the, or, he just locks down the number one receiver. That's all. Yeah, but if they, if they don't score points either way. It's, if, they don't score t- if they don't score with Oregon, I can see the excuse actually being legitimate. But if they're scoring points with, without him, then it doesn't really matter. It just means he'll, he'll get the ball to somebody else. So, but, wait, lo- Losing Travis Hunter – does hurt Colorado big time. It's, he's like losing two players. Like he's losing a starting wide receiver and a starting corner. So I mean that that, that does suck for them. But still, I think like, it, I think in I this mean, game it's going to score points either way. Oregon's probably got one of the best offenses in college football right now. Like it hurts him. They're, it hurts they're him more points off. than any other team. It hurts him more on the offense win though this game than the defensive side. He, he's a starter. He's a starter on both sides. Yes, yes, but that just so. means he locks up one receiver. That means just now means the number one will eat, and the number two won't eat as much. That's all this means. Yeah. I mean, they're but still going to score fifty points. Yeah, starting starting corner and starting wide receiver hurts. Yeah, but their defense is still going to give up points with him, so it doesn't yeah. really truly matter as much. The offense is where it, it matters more this game. This game because they have to score. Because Oregon's going to score. They do have regardless. to. Or Oregon's Oregon's going to pile on pile on points and if Colorado can't keep it up if Sanders can't keep scoring with Bo Nix then I'll understand the the hurt of not having Hunter but I I don't think having Hunter on the field is going to make a difference I think Oregon is an overall better talented team than Colorado I mean you you saw what Colorado you saw what Colorado did with Colorado State and they TCU. struggled, and I mean TCU. They were they were scoring. I think TCU is not. They're, they're also I, a twenty point underdog to TCU. They were also twenty point favorites against. They Colorado were State. yeah. They were twenty yeah, point favorites in Colorado yeah. State, and they yeah, struggled all game against Colorado State. The, then I can use well, the same but, logic but, but with Jordan, the Florida but, but State Clemson game. Travis Hunter did get hurt towards in the first quarter, so he wasn't there for most of the game either. That's all. He was gone like within the yeah. four minute mark of that game, of the first quarter. So no, I, I get, mean, I I get that, but still, like the talent that they have compared to Colorado State, even if you lose your your top guy, you should still win by more than going into second overtime with Colorado I mean, State. Mike Irvin said it. He said it great on Undisputed earlier this week. He says Oregon's going to score regardless. It doesn't matter if he's out there or not. It's not the question of him being gone as a corner. It's more the question of him being out as a receiver. Because now we're going to have to see what Shador Sanders can do, if he can get Weaver involved and the other guys involved yeah. like he has 
So it hurts them the, more on the offensive side, in my opinion, just because they the have biggest, to score. Biggest problem for like their offense is like their offensive line is not very good at all. Neither is their defensive line. So that they're going to lose. Colorado's going to lose in the trenches big time this game. And you're going to sh- see Shador have to make fucking like, like random plays out here. Like he's not a run first quarterback either, but I think he's going to have to run the ball quite a bit in this game just to like try to stay on the field because he, He's gonna be fucking. They're gonna try to light him up in this game. Yeah, yeah I mean, you can you you can, can receive it right. Either. You can receive it right now. I I believe Oregon's covering this game. Twenty and a half. I that, believe. Uh, that, yeah, there, right? it's twenty one right now. Twenty one at the moment. Yeah, I believe Oregon covers this. I mean, game. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they get like a backdoor cover like Sean McVay did for the the Rams game this past <laughs> week. So I mean, may, maybe they'll get a backdoor cover, but. I wouldn't be surprised, Oregon. I mean, I, I said it to y'all before. Like, the test for Colorado begins when they play the likes of Oregon and the Huskies. I'm not going to say USC because I don't trust their defense against a high electric offense. I, I think that I get it. Their last two games, like you know, Luke mentioned, oh, they give up only 25 points. By the way, Luke, now that they play the same amount of games as the Huskies, the Huskies in the last two games, so through three games, have given up less points than the USC Trojans. So. Huskies, to me, are the best team in the back to Pac-12. That's not the point right now, though. I just wanted to throw that out there since it's a week later. But I do think that the test starts with Oregon and the Huskies, who they get to avoid. Because, like I said, USC, they're both going to score 60 points on each other. That's the way it's going to feel. I mean, do they score 60? Probably not. But it's going to be a shootout regardless. So the test is Oregon. Also, they play Utah this year, too. A tough defense as well. So we're going to see what Colorado can do now against the big boys. It's the test. And I don't want to hear this bullshit about Travis Hunter being hurt. Fucking, you know, other players get fucking hurt. That's just the way we got to go. That's just the way it goes. Hey, Travis Hunter looks good. And, I mean, Tom Brady had to talk to Sanders today and talk about, hey, get in the fucking film room. Stay out of your Rolls Royce. (laughs) Now, I do think that if Shador, real quick before we move on, if Shador has a great game these next couple games without Travis Hunter, I think it does put him maybe potentially above a Drake May in the quarterback uh rankings for the draft i mean he's had a good year i get the level of town he hasn't played anything special but he wins this game let's say he does beat oregon or let's say he plays oregon tough and he puts up good numbers he might launch himself up there right behind caleb williams as the number two quarterback heading into the draft class if they both choose to go go into the draft yeah i can see that i mean drake may is not having a fantastic year so i mean i can definitely see shador edging him his way up especially if he shows out against these Pac-12 defenses, which yeah, aren't known sure. to have defenses. Shador's played pretty well so far too. Like he's for a team that lost, like wasn't supposed to do as well as they are. He's he's doing a good job, and like he's a fucking he could like he's a pocket passer. Like he can fucking throw throw the ball pretty well for a mobile quarterback. Yeah, so I mean, I, all eyes gonna be on him. I can't wait to see the test this weekend, boys. Last big game we want to talk about. Number 15, Ole Miss, traveling to number 13, Alabama. Um, and Tuscaloosa, obviously. Is this the year that we see Nick Saban have two losses in the month of September with the University of Alabama? I don't know the last time it happened. I'm assuming maybe his first year where they weren't that good. But do we see Nick Saban getting two L's before the month of September even ends? Yeah, I mean, I think so. I think I think Brian Danny Stadium is going to be pretty flat at a uh... – a three thirty kick for them. Uh, I don't think the fan brace is going to take the last week's game very well and the loss to Texas. 
So I think this, I think the the fan base is going to like jump ship real quick on them. And I think Ole Miss, they have like Dart is a good quarterback. Like he is fucking playing phenomenal this year. And I think I think this is a year. I mean, Ole Miss is a good team. I mean, probably not the best team in the SEC, but I think they have a very, real chance to beat Alabama here. Especially that quarterback play for Alabama has not been up to par in any of the games they've had. Yeah, I mean, look, Alabama's offensive line has looked terrible. Their defensive line, zero pressure on the opposing quarterback. And Colorado, or not Colorado State, sorry, um, USF, um, the Bulls, they would have won that game if they actually had an offense. If they had a quarterback that could drive down the field and get touchdowns, they would have won. They probably wouldn't have won that game. They would have probably blown Alabama out. With how many times their defense was stopping Alabama's offense, and getting the ball back, they would have they would have probably put up double digits against Alabama. Alabama's in a world of hurt right now. The quarterback carousel going on. I mean, you have Milrose starting this week now. Like, they don't know what the fuck to do in their quarterback. And it goes down to, I don't think Nick Saban can hire the talent that he used to be able to hire. Like, coaches now are realizing that they can go be head coaches at places. I don't need to sit behind Nick Saban anymore. And I heard a rumor today, like like you and you and Doc have mentioned potential rumors and rumblings. He thinks that Nick Saban's going to retire at the end of the year too. He's he's heard like some of like those small whispers as well. I, I don't think he personally retires because the twelve man's coming, so he'll have more, he'll have better shot to make the playoffs and maybe you know make that case. But yeah, I think Alabama loses game boys. I think Nick Saban's in a, a world of hurting this year. The QBs don't look good. The receiver, nothing looks good. Let's just be honest. Nothing looks good at all. I know the defense held USF in check. But like you said, Chris, it's because USF doesn't have an offense. If they played Texas again that last week, you know, Texas did drop 34 on them. Texas might have dropped fucking 54 on them last week if that was the game. Fucking yeah, and, over there smell blood in the water. And Saban after that game just looked absolutely defeated going into the tunnel. He looked he looked rough. And I mean, you're you're talking about the struggles offensively and defensively. And like, just to back up my point that it's it's the coaching is that they have talent, they have five stars, they have four stars. I mean, these quarterbacks were very talented. The receivers are talented. Defensive players are talented. I mean, you have Kool Aid's what the number one cornerback prospect right now. Like, you have the defensive players. It's just they're not getting coached the way that Alabama's used to getting coached. Hey, and, props to USF for fucking putting on a fucking a show. Like they they try they they give Alabama their best shot. So good good on them. I, fucking go out there and compete with one of the most dominant teams over the last decade. Out of road Alabama game too, home for Alabama. Yeah, road home pretty much, game. Pretty, pretty much USF well, that whole fans. that whole game was crimson or a whole crowd. Well, Luke, you you mentioned the last decade, and that's a perfect segue to make it. The SEC being wide open, you know, Georgia's struggling a little bit. We've already mentioned their easy schedule, but, you know, I'm looking at Alabama stats here. This is just SEC stats. There's 14 teams in that conference, right? They are 13th in total yards for offense, and they are ninth in scoring offense. That is not Alabama football. So with that being said, is the SEC wide open in the next couple of years? Can other teams like Florida, Tennessee, LSU, which are consistently usually there, but like Ole Miss, can these teams open the door wider for the rest of the teams to open uh, and get through? Yeah, I mean, I, I think they're. I think other teams are peeking in the door right now to see, like, hey, these these top teams are over the, 
have been most dominant teams. They're struggling this year. So I think Ole Miss, uh, not really LSU, because LSU's kind of been been flirting around the door for the past few years. Like they'll be good, really good for a year, and they'll kind of send a lot of players to the draft and that they'll rebuild. Usually take them a few years. But like Ole Miss, Florida, if they can find a fucking offense, they'd be peeking in the door a little bit. Tennessee, uh, they haven't rebuilt as well as we thought they would have, but as I did at least. But I mean, they're these these other teams are doors cracked, so opportunities there for them to these and, other teams to jump over them. And there's two teams that we're forgetting about. You have Oklahoma and then the Texas Longhorns coming to that SEC too. Hey, talk about Mizzou three and L. Mizzou's playing good football. Yeah, Mizzou's yeah, everybody to shoot Mizzou, but they're they're playing good football this year. They're going to be a sleeper team in the SEC now. Yeah, so, yeah. Chris, I, I mean, that, that's your conference, soon to be my conference. What, I mean, is it finally that time that maybe not a new dynasty starts, but maybe it's hard to start a dynasty now, I guess you can say. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely hard to start a dynasty now just due to NIL. Players don't want to sit behind other players. They want their playing time. They want their coverage. But you talk about is the door open in the next coming years, Mark, the door's open now. Alabama has clearly shown that they're beatable. Georgia has shown that it's beatable. SEC play has just started. I mean, the conference is open. The East and the West. Anybody could be in the... I think Georgia still edges it out over there on their conference. I don't think I don't think Florida Florida's going to beat them. And that's really the only competition on that side of the ball. But... I mean, Alabama, LSU, Old Miss, like the any three of these teams could win the West. Mizzou. I don't think Mizzou's not. Hey, well, hey, yeah. Auburn, Auburn's Auburn's three and oh two, boys. I mean, I know they're not ranked, but All, they do Auburn's eight. in a Auburn's in a rebuild right now, though. They're a rebuild three and oh and Kentucky's three and oh. I mean, I'm just I'm, yeah, I, I mean I'm I'm not high on those teams, I'm just saying yeah. they they are there right now. You know, they're, they're, they're I, think, old, old. I think any of the SEC teams can beat each other too at this point. Like, it's not like clear like winners of each each game going into each week. So I think any SEC team could beat any SEC team at this point. Like the playing field is a lot more level than it usually is. Yeah, I mean Auburn's. Uh, you got. We'll move on, but yeah, <laughs> let's move. Yeah, let's move on. And right. um, hey, don't don't say something you you regret playing Auburn later. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to regret. I mean. We'll 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 find out. I mean, Auburn, A and M, Georgia, LSU, Old Miss. That's that's their schedule right now. The next four weeks, A and M, Georgia, LSU, Old Miss. And they got a hell of a we'll head coach s- down there. We'll we'll see we'll see how Auburn <laughs> they got is. A hell of a head coach down there. Well, Hugh Freeze getting the boys fired up. You know how he does. And like, even if Auburn's shitty, like Auburn and LSU always play each other hard. I mean, twenty nineteen, that was the closest game we probably had besides for the Texas game. So, I mean, Auburn and LSU always play each other hard. Yeah, so we'll keep an eye on the SEC. Like I said, the doors open not just for the current SEC teams, but the two new members joining y'all in 2024, Chris. I mean, not being biased, but we did show that we can compete with the SEC at their place this year. And the SEC, like you guys said, it's wide open. So we'll see, you know, adding two new teams to get to 16. We'll see how the 16 teams do next year. Probably Georgia wins this year, though. It's just the way yeah. it's going to go. Some of you guys are kind of sleeping on a little bit. Is Oklahoma. Oklahoma has been dominant I, in every single game they played so far. I mentioned OU. I said OU's coming. I mean, well, I mean, yeah. But some, some it's a team that we kind of glaze over because they they sucked last year. 
Well, they haven't played like, anyone yet, neither. So that's well, yeah, but still, Doug Gabriel's fucking lighting it up over there. So, like, I, I, I haven't even watched any Oklahoma games just because like everyone's been a blown out, blowout score every time I've turned it on. Yeah, but yeah. We'll, we'll keep we'll keep on. I mean, Oklahoma's. I think they have Cincinnati this week, so yeah. you know we'll see what they do out there. Um, but boys, let's move on. Cincinnati. Yeah, it's at Cincy. First time OU gets to play Cincy. Uh, at least for Big 12, probably the only time, obviously, for Big 12 unless they meet in the Big 12 title game. But um, let's move on to some fantasy. We like to try and end the college episode with some sits and starts. But before we do that, boys, we had a, fe- a fellow listener reach out. Uh, her name's Nicole Plank. Shout out to her. You know, she she has an idea. She kind of knows what she wants to do, but she just wants to get reinsurance. She's in, she's 2-0 in her league. She has a running back two situation. She has Raheem Mostert from the Miami Dolphins who are playing the Denver Broncos at home in Miami. And then she's got Miles Sanders as well traveling to Seattle. Seattle does give the second fewest fantasy points to running backs. So I, I'm going to start – I'll start off right here. I think you, you play Raheem Mostert. I think the Broncos defense is geared up to go against that passing offense. And we saw what Brian Robinson did last week. He torched the Denver Broncos. We also – yeah, I do th- believe Miles Sanders is getting more touches by four touches average for the first two weeks. But Raheem, Raheem Mostert is running back six. Miles Sanders is running back 27. And Miles Sanders doesn't find the end zone. He hasn't this year. Raheem, Raheem Mostert is. I know he's not getting as many catches as uh, Miles Sanders. But I do like the fact that he's playing against the Denver Broncos, who allows 19 fantasy points average to the starting running backs compared to 14.13, uh, what, what Seattle's get up to their running backs that they face. So. I say you start Raheem Mostert until it's proven otherwise he gets hurt or something like that. Keep riding Mostert as your number two for right now. Yeah, I, I agree, Mark. And just, just the way these two teams offensively are set up, so it's completely different. So the way the defenses are going to play these teams is different. Denver's going to be look, trying to look down, like lock down the uh, the passing game for Miami. Like they have a their hands full with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle if he plays. So they're, they're not trying to lock down the run game, kind of like uh, – what Seattle's going to try to do against Carolina. They're going to lock down the run game and make um, Bryce Young beat them. It's going to be the opposite way in for the Miami game. They're, they're going to try to have uh, – Denver's going to have Miami try to beat them in the run game instead of the passing game. So maybe the tension, but uh, Miami's going to fucking torch Denver. So I need a lot of opportunities for Mozart to still fucking get some yards. Yeah, I mean, it's honestly it's honestly depending on, like, how, how her team's set up. I mean, do you need that boom or bust player? If you need a player to boom, I think it's I think you're going Sanders. I mean, he gives you the floor of busting, but I also feel like he could have – I mean, he's due for a game to, to blow out. I mean, he does have the receiving targets by a lot, 11 compared to three. So if you're in a PPR league, I mean, you do have that going your way. And both the both of the defenses that they're going against is is pretty similar. I mean, Denver rushing yards allowed is ninety one, and Seattle's ninety seven. So I mean, the run defense is pretty similar on both sides of the ball. Sanders doesn't have the touchdown yet. I'm sure he's looking for it. But I mean, if you need dependent points on your team, then I'd I'd go Mostert. And the thing with Mostert too is the Dolphins don't have a solid backup at the moment. They keep going through their running backs, keep getting hurt. While he's not splitting complete 50-50 with Hubbard, but Hubbard is getting in, and I get it. He's got more volume, but the production is just not there. He's only averaging, like I said, 9.8 points a fantasy game this year. So, um, and like like Luke said, they're geared to stop the run so they force Bryce Young 
to do to, to do the work. And also the whole production there, Mostert wasn't getting that much production week one because he wasn't, you know, the the true official number one by himself. I mean, there was guys that were expecting to split with him, but he took that backfield over at the moment. So I think we're in a green start start Mostert, but keep Sanders. You never know what's gonna happen with him. Maybe he breaks out. But you're two and zero, so you're doing something right. I'd say start Mostert for the week, even though he's projected just a few points less. Yeah, I mean, I've been keeping Sanders on my lineup just because he's gonna have that boom play one time. Yeah, he is. But I think the moment, like like Luke said, they're geared to pass. Stop the pass too. You just go Mostert uh, and don't look back. If something happens, then we're sorry. Just blame blame Doc for not being here to you know steer us the right way. So the fourth guy's not yeah. here. But boys, it's time for some start. And like I said. Uh, thank you, thank you for shouting us out. Thank you for listening, asking. So, anyone that's listening out there, just just shoot us some. Like I said, DM us Instagram, TikTok. You know, comment on the YouTube page. All about the Boss Podcast. We'll 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 fucking throw you out there. We'll ask the you know we'll answer the questions for you. But boys, it's time for some starts and sits. You know, something that we're looking at. And I'll start us off here. I think you sit Justin Fields. I know he's my quarterback in my team. I have no choice but to start him. So I, I say you sit him. They're playing Kansas City Chiefs defense. We already said that they're doing pretty good. We saw that Jared Goff them a great game against them, and Trevor Lawrence did, had a horrible game against the Kansas City Chiefs. I say start or sit Justin Fields until he proven otherwise. Stream a QB if you have to. Uh, get someone off your bench. Stream a QB that you think has an easy matchup for the week and, and put Fields on the bench. I mean, that's that's a tough one. I, I have a hot take that I think Justin Fields, this is going to be his good game just due to the fact that Chicago's defense looks completely lost. They just lost their DC today. I mean, he's out there doing illegal shit with the FBI, how it's getting raided. So, I mean, the DC's gone. So, the defense is a mess for the Browns. So, it's not going to be a close game like how um, Kansas City and the Jags were. Kansas City's going to put points up, and that's going to cause Fields to run the ball and pass the ball. So, I, I do think he's going to have some points. I, I don't know about sitting on a hot take right there. But I'm going to follow it up with another hot take then. I think if you were lucky enough to have probably the number one waiver claim, you picked up Jerome Ford. And I'm saying you're going to have to sit him this week. I know he's the number one. I know Cleveland came out and said that he's the featured back, but you have Hunt coming in. Cleveland's already came out and said that Hunt's taking snaps this week. And they're going against a very stingy running back. They're going against the Titans, who has allowed the second-fewest fantasy running back points this year. I mean, look, the Chargers, 61 yards, the Saints, 69 yards. I know both of those don't have great running games, but the defense is very stingy with the Titans. I think Jerome Ford isn't going to get much this week, so I think you, if you were lucky to get him, you might just want to wait a week to play him. Yeah. So... My, my sit, and this one kind of hurts for me, but uh, it's going to be Damian Pierce. So, okay, I I took Damian Pierce. He's my running back two right now. Uh, he just hasn't done anything. Like, he's got his two games. He's had 38 yards week one and 31 yards week two. So his attempts are still high, but it, that's a pass-first offense over there. They're letting C.J. Stroud try to learn the NFL a little too much for uh, my liking with uh, Damian Pierce. And, like, Defenses are just trying to lock down the run game, make CJ Stroud beat them. So while he still has the attempts, the defense are just going to lock down the run game. And he's playing against the Jaguars defense this week, who is, has a pretty solid defense. So he's going to be my sit. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm probably still going to have to start him. I, I think, though, starting, though, I, I understand you guys out there that has, has Kyron Williams. You can probably sell that on your bench because they're playing the Niners last week, and you might have two studs out there at running back. Man, you better fucking put this man in your flex at least. Put him as running back two or even running back one because this man has been going off the first two weeks. Week one against the Seahawks, week two against the Niners. Yeah, they might have lost that game, but he balled out, had a couple touchdowns. This week they're playing the Bengals on Monday Night Football. All lights are going to be on him. The show is going to be you know watching him. So I'm saying start Kyron Williams and Matthew Stafford. I believe both have – and fucking Nakua as well. Start the whole Rams trio if you have them. Just throw them out there because fucking these guys – Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying they're going to – Yeah, they're, I said a high-scoring game. We had 30 – I had 30-27 for my score. So I think it's going to be a little bit of offensive scoring game. I think Kyron Williams is the guy that you have to play. He's getting he's getting looks, boys, and he's coming. Yeah, he's clearly the owners for Kyron Williams are happy right now because he's clearly the number one now. Akers got traded to the Vikings, so hey, the backfield is his. My my starts, I have a couple starts, and they're all in the same game. I have starting all of the fucking Chargers receivers, all of them. The Vikings have been a league high of eighty percent zone coverage. And they've been picked apart. Allen and Williams, they're both going to go off. It's going to be a shootout. They went off last week. They're about to go off again against the Vikings defense. And then on the flip side, I have start Jordan Addison. I mean, the past two games, he's he's needed that home run touchdown to be fantasy relevant. But I think this is the game where, I mean, we've shown that the Chargers defense isn't what it is. I mean, they're they're not winning games. Their offense said, wait, is you great. Said, you said Jordan Love? No, Jordan Addison. Oh, I think I said love. I'm sorry. No, no, Jordan Addison. And the Chargers have allowed the most fantasy points to wide receivers than anyone this year. So I start all the wide receivers in these games. But, I mean, you're going to start yeah. JJ, so I didn't huge, even add him huge, in it. Yeah, huge game for me in fantasy. Uh, I got Justin Herbert and JJ in this game. So hopefully, of course, is right about these predictions. And it's going to be a fucking shootout because I need it this week. I'm projected to lose my first game, so. We'll see, but I got I got a couple starts too. Uh, so if you're struggling for running backs, hopefully you went out and were able to. If you're like lower in the waiver wire, grab uh, Matt Breida. Uh, Saquon Barkley is going to be out this week with his ankle sprain. So if you're struggling running back, I'd go ahead and start Matt Breida. He's going to be the number one running back for the Giants. Tough Forty Niners matchup week one. Yeah, it's a tough matchup, but but if you need a you need somebody that's going to get touches, he's got potential. Maybe he gets a goal line. Uh, a couple carries, but uh, also um, we just had some action in our league, our fantasy league about uh, some quarterback play. I think Mark might be switching up his his quarterback play, and literally uh, as I <laughs> after right after I said yeah. sit Justin Fields, I picked up Jared Goff. Yeah, so start Jared Goff. Jared Goff's the number eight uh, quarterback right now. Uh, so I mean, solid running back with Gibbs. See how he's going to play being the number one running back this week. But the receiving core looking good. Jared Goff looks good. And so I'd say start him, if, especially if you have Justin Fields. Fields sucks. The only good Same thing. Same questionable for this game, which is scary for me. And the only thing about him doing bad if I start him is he's playing my Falcons, and I'd rather have my team win in uh, real life than my fantasy team any day. So if that just gives me a little motivation to root against Jared Goff, I, I'm trying to go 0-14 this year. Um I changed. I officially changed my name to Fielding a Chub to London Bridge is falling down because my team is, is falling uh, apart. 
that's the downfall of you. You can't change your name. Half, yeah, half you're fucked one. now. Yeah, you can't change your fantasy name. So I already did. Move on your part. Yeah, I saw that. Move on your part. My team already fell apart. I have fucking no running back. Dalvin yeah. Cook sucks. By the way, sit all yeah. Jets running backs. Start, sit Brees Hall. Sit Dalvin Cook because they looked like shit last week, and the Patriots are bringing the heat too. That's just a tidbit there. No. Also, I said it last week. Uh, start Baker Mayfield. Consistently 20 points a game. If you have a struggling quarterback, grab Baker. He's going to go fucking have, pick apart the Eagles defense. I, I actually had him on the sit, the sit side over here. I had him right, right yeah, here. I'll start him. I, the secondary's weak for the Eagles, but that D-line is going to eat up that O-line. I promise Baker you that. Baker Mayfield's going to bury one of them. But, boys, great episode. Doc, we missed you. Hopefully, Florida State. Actually, no, I want Clemson to win. I'm still a Dabo guy. I want Clemson to win. Dabo's uh, too weird for me. I just like the I did. I race. did tell the listeners, though, that Doc did say that Notre Dame was going to win by double digits. He said Ohio. triple. He said triple. Yeah, he said triple. Triple he digits. He said triple as a joke, but he definitely did say double for real, though. So No, but Doc, you know. Hopefully Florida State does good. We'll see if the Bears can get off the schneid. Chris, good luck, to, good luck to LSU. Good luck to the Saints this week. Go Pack Go. Thank you. Luke, good luck in your first, you know, Big 12 mm-hmm. conference play there. And, you know, you know, congrats on your easy win against the Colts too. But, boys, always a great week. Can't wait to get back here Monday. That's Luke Rule. That's Chris Gemeinhart. Shout out to you, Doc. I'm Mark Davis. This is All About the Boss Podcast, and we are out. Thank you for checking out another episode of All About the Balls podcast. We want to thank all of our listeners and supporters of the Sack House. You can listen to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube. And don't forget to subscribe and give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram at the Sack House.